Thank you. Just to clarify, to start, I am covered in baby sick. Baby Daniel decided to vomit on me before I got here to speak, so I'm not scruff. Well, I am, but it's just my top. It's baby sick, so I say. Anyway, right, so I'm going to start by giving us today's reading, which is from Matthew 21, verses 12 to 14. So, Jesus went straight to the temple and threw out everyone who had set up shop, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of the loan sharks and the stalls of the dove merchants. He quoted this text. My house is, was designated a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout of thieves. Now there was no room. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. And they came to Jesus and he healed them. Whoops. I'm going old school. Everybody else has tablets. I have scraps of paper, so just bear with me. Um, so that's an interesting Bible passage. Um, you might have heard it before called the cleansing of the temple or Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. Um, I'd never fully understood it before, so it was good to do some research into what it actually meant. So to set the background... This reading was at a time of Passover, which is the Jewish festival where the Jews celebrate the fact that they were freed from the Egyptian slavery, where Moses parted the Red Sea, and Jesus led them into the Promised Land. So it's a bit of a big deal for the Jews, and lots of people came from outside of town into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And part of the Passover celebration, they would sacrifice animals. <clears throat> so this was done uh, before Jesus died on the cross for us and took away our sins. It was symbolic to sacrifice an animal, to cleanse you of your sins, um, so you could get closer to God and worship God. And they all did this as part of the Passover festival. Now, um, people came to this festival from out of town, like I said, and there was some groups of people that had set up stall in the temple. So there's probably lots of shops set up. You might have Passover t-shirts and mugs and hats on sale. I'm not really sure, but maybe. Um, but there was two people... Um, that Jesus was kind of a bit annoyed at. The first one is what they call, in our reading, they call it the loan sharks. In other versions, they call them the money changers. So these are the people that were giving the people from out of town the currency to be able to buy things. Um, so, you know, this was before you could Google which is the best exchange rate or ask on people of St. Helens or people of Jerusalem, where can I get the best exchange rate today? Um, they just trusted them and they were ripped off a lot. They, they made a lot of profit from exchanging these people's currencies. And then the second lot of people were the animal sellers. So like I said, you had to make an animal sacrifice. But then as part of the Passover celebration, these animals needed to be clean. They needed to be pure. So they went to the temple to buy these. Now, they had the market. Think of like when you're going down the M6, you stop at the motorway service station and they charge like a fiver for a bottle of water. They've got the market. They can rip you off. That's what these sellers were doing. So why was Jesus so angry? Why did he come in, flip over the tables and tell everyone that they've got to do one? It was because he was just angry. He was angry at the fact that people were using his place of worship, Jesus's, you know, God's place of worship to make money, to rip people off. He wasn't happy seeing this. It was supposed to be for people to come in and worship, to pray, to be healed. And it had just become this den of thieves, as he says. So was Jesus right to be angry? Now, um, when I was looking into this, um, it's quite clear that there's obviously different types of anger. You've got anger, which is like instant anger. You know when you're just really irrationally annoyed at somebody and you might slam a door, or we all do it, we're driving, someone cuts you up, you beep your horn and 
probably say words that you wouldn't normally say unless you was in a car on your own. Um, we all do it. It's irrational. Later on, when you think about it, you think, why did I get so annoyed at that? Um, and then you've got another type of anger, which is pent-up anger. Now, if you ask Aaron, this is probably one of my favourites. I love nothing more than to make a list in my head of all the things Aaron's done wrong in a given day and then blurt it out when he's not really done anything wrong at the end of the day. We all do it. We all pent things up. We don't want to talk about it. And eventually, we blow. Now, the anger that Jesus had, it, in a way, it wasn't really anger. Um, there's a thing called righteous indignation. I was really worried about saying that. I thought I was going to say it wrong. Um, and this is where something's put on your heart, a passion, for something that you see that's not quite right. You know, if you see some sort of injustice, if you see someone hurt or marginalized or left out, you get it put on your heart and you want to do something about it. You want to speak up. You want to tell people about it. You want to do something about it. This is exactly what Jesus did. He saw something that touched his heart and he wanted to make sure that it stopped. This is obviously a really good thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. So how can we mirror this? How can we stand up for what we believe in? And how can we be significant in such a big world? How can we make a difference with these passions on our hearts? How can one person influence change? Now, standing up for what you believe in it's never going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. He wasn't always popular. Ultimately, he died for standing up for what he believed in. And even in this day and age, if you stand up for somebody, you stand up for something that you believe in, you can be mocked. You know, in some cultures, you can even be still be killed for it. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to be popular. It might upset friends, friends, family, neighbors, work colleagues, especially in this cancel culture that we've got today. It's never easy to stand up for your believing. So, you know, you can do this on a small scale, standing up for people on social media that you feel are being mocked or told that they shouldn't believe certain things that they believe. Um, you can stand up for a friend at work. I know I find it hard sometimes at work as a manager to say things that I think, oh gosh, someone's going to complain to HR about stuff that I say, about, especially about my religion. Um, I've had it before at Christmas when... Um, there's a lad on my team as a Jehovah's Witness and the other manager told me we can't have a Christmas celebration we can't call it a Christmas celebration we can't call it a Christmas meal, Christmas drinks we've got to stop talking about Christmas and just call it an end of year celebration now this didn't sit well with me obviously as a Christian wanting to talk about Christmas and I was like whoa, whoa, whoa what, what should, we can't do this and I didn't know what to do in this situation because I don't want to get told off by HR I don't want to upset this lad and it's really hard to know what to do I wasn't going to be popular if I kicked off. So it's hard to know what steps you should actually take. So um, in, in Proverbs, it says, I can't read my writing because I've got writing on the back and the lights are like showing it through. I need to look like an old lady and proper look. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for the helpless and see that they get justice. So it's clear in the Bible that we're here to look after the marginalized. Christians throughout history have done this. We've got Florence Nightingale, William Wilberforce, Martin Luther King. All these people were Christians and they went well out of their way to stand up for what they believed in. And one person when I was researching that I didn't realize was a Christian was someone called Rosa Parks that you might have heard of. So this was a lady in the 1950s living in Alabama in America. She was black and at the time the black people had it hard. They were segregated from the white people. So they might have separate schools, separate water fountains, separate toilets. And they were just they were made to sit separately. Um, and one instance is on a bus. Now, there wasn't separate areas on a bus. It kind of went a step further. You could sit where you want, but if a white person came on, a black person was expected to give up their seat. 
and stand at the back. And eventually, if it got full at the back where everyone was standing, a black person would need to leave the bus to make room for the white people, which, you know, given it was only in the 1950s, only 70 years ago, it's really hard to believe that that was going on in America, but it was at the time. Now, this lady, Rosa Parks, sat down on the bus and she refused to get off. The bus driver said, there's white people waiting, can you give up your seat? She was like, no, I'm not doing that. He was like, I'll have to get the police, that's fine. She was arrested, she was put in jail, she was fined. Now, people think she did it because she was tired and she was old, but she's quoted in saying that I wasn't old, I was only 42, and the only thing I was tired of was tired of giving in. Now, that speaks volumes, she just had enough of this segregation. And um, you'd think that act, she ended up getting arrested, nothing really changed, but she is called the grandmother of the civil revolution, civil civil rights movement because she started something for the next year over the next year black people refused to ride the bus they took taxis they car shared they walked and martin luther king got involved and you know the rest is history the movement started and it ended um, with people being able to be on the same bus and have equal rights but rosa parks was a christian and she's quoted saying god has always given me the strength to say what is right now, all these famous Christians throughout history that have made massive statements in standing up for the believing, you know, the Martin Luther King said, God will give you the strength you need once you have faith and trust in him. And Florence Nightingale took it a step further and said, if I could tell you anything, it would be that God has done it all. I have done nothing. So she firmly believed it was God just working through her hard work to actually make change in a world. So it's really clear that we need God to do this. We can't do this through our own strength. It's never easy standing up for what you believe in, even on a small scale, even just standing up for someone on social media, standing up for someone at work, standing up for a friend. It's, it's never going to be easy. You're never going to be popular. But God can give you the strength to do it. Jesus died to set us free. He set us free from a prison of selfishness and a prison of weakness. And he died so the Holy Spirit could be there to guide us. He, the Holy Spirit can give us the strength to do things and can guide us and put things on our hearts that we want to change. So, you know, I always have this vision of God. Like, if I've got to step in to do something that's really scary, people say, you know, God's beside you doing this. He's feeling the pain. But I kind of see it as God's like a step in front of you with his hand out just being like, come on, I've got this, come with me. And he's there to help you, to drag you through it and to guide you in how you do this. So this week, just really think about what God has put on your heart. If you've got a passion for helping change anything, this could just be something in the community, helping people that might be less fortunate than you. It might be at work. Like I said, my example before of knowing what to do, I ended up just reaching out to this lad who was a Jehovah's Witness to find out if it was actually bothering him that I talked about Christmas. He knew I was a Christian, he knew I went to church, and he was like, no, it's fine, honestly, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, I was worried about what he might actually say, and he totally understood because he has a faith of his own. But the other people in the team didn't really like it. They thought that I was being a bit over the top with my Christianity. So you're never going to be popular, but God can give you the strength and can guide you to do what you need to do. But there might be things on a bigger scale. Obviously, there's all sorts of things going on over the world at the moment that God can really put on your heart. It's hard to watch the news and not feel moved by the stuff that's going on. So if God's putting something on your heart that you want to make a difference for, just ask him, what can I do? He's going to help you. So we're going to pray now about 
what God wants you to do. We're going to pray about anything that God has put on your heart that you want to change, anything that you want to stand up that you believe in, anything that you might be just for your faith or for someone that you know or for something else that you think is really important. And just ask God to guide you in that righteous indignation so that you're not just getting angry and kicking off for no reason, but it's really directed and it's right. And, you know, it, it is a sin to act out in these things. The sin is not in the anger. It's if your anger leads you to sin. So just keep that in mind. So I'm going to pray now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and I'm going to ask him to just guide us in what we need to do. So I'm just going to pray now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come now in this room. I ask that you come now and touch everybody's hearts. I ask that you come and speak to us about what it is you want to put on our hearts. I pray that our heart will break for what breaks yours and that we will see people who are left out, who are marginalized, people who might be getting bullied, people who are just getting forgotten about. And even worse, the things going on in the world that are beyond our, our imagination that we just can't fathom. And I just pray that you will give us the strength and give us the guidance to know what we need to do in these situations. Sometimes, Lord, it's, it's hard for us to feel significant and that we can influence any sort of change. But sometimes our small actions, Lord, we know that they can lead to bigger things. We can be a witness for you that we stand up for the people that nobody else does. So I pray now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit comes and that you speak to each one of us, Lord, and give us the strength we need to make a change and to make a difference.